So thanks for joining the latest episode of SAP Concur Conversations podcast series. I'm Andrew Walker. I'm a principal architect on the Value Experience Programs team. Joining me today is Crystal Schoenall, a consultant for travel and expense at ENY. We're here today to talk about employee sentiment and kind of why it matters and, and kind of the state of things. Uh, Crystal, if you want to go ahead and give yourself an introduction, that would be great. Sure. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Crystal Schoenholz. Um, I have about almost 30 years experience um, in the industry, uh, including supply chain logistics, but primarily in the T&E space. Uh, happy to be aboard and give my thoughts on uh, employee sentiment. Awesome. So I kind of want to start, you know, when we when we connected on this and we prepped, you know, a lot of it from my end was how do we get people to see the value of employee experience, right? Like we know everybody understands operational data. We've been drowning in it for the better part of three decades. And it's easy to get people to, you know, to bite when we say, hey, you have wide performance across X time. But when we start talking about quantifying this qualitative data from employees as to, you know, their experience with the process and why it matters, I'm, I'm curious as to what you see uh, in, in your space with clients kind of you know, and organizations coming around to the idea of, you know, buying into the employee sentiment idea and, and leveraging it for change at their organizations? Yeah, um, a lot of our clients, um, you know, that, that are starting to come to us in this space just don't know where to start, right? It's such a big topic on, you know, how to gather this data, how do you slice the data, how do you make it meaningful? And, and that's just it. And, and given the market is still changing post-pandemic, and well, I'd like to say post-pandemic, but you know, hopefully towards the end of the pandemic, what is important to the employee base? You know, do we survey? Do we use a tool? Do we, you know, how do we again make it actionable in terms of what the employees want and need? That's their very first question. And so we even take a step back, like in in that coaching, and say, well, this is more than just T and E questions now, right? Have you communicated with your HR department? Have you communicated with your communications team? Like it's now a all hands on deck approach um, from a company perspective and making sure you stay aligned with your, maybe you have new corporate initiatives, maybe you have corporate goals like sustainability that would impact teeny, et cetera, you know, remote work policies. And just really from a team perspective, ensuring that you have all departments on board, you're asking the questions that you think you need to uh, ask the population, and then you can start worrying about slicing and dicing that data and making it actionable. It's just overwhelming at this point for the clients that we've spoken to, and the sheer amount of change and I'll just say, you know, environmental um, changes and issues that are coming about. You know, again, it's just getting your head around how big is this. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. You know, we had a, a session at Fusion about this um, just this year. And I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying and thinking like when we go to them with, you know, the idea of employee sentiment or this experience data, you know, we're kind of saying like, hey, you only have half of the story with operational data, right? So when you say that's overwhelming, it, it doesn't surprise me because it's kind of like saying, hey, open your other eye, right? And now you're taking in all of this. It's a lot to process. And so what I kind of asked people there, and I'm curious as, as to your experience here, you know, we've kind of talked about people starting to come to the well to drink, starting to open up to this idea. And so we're saying, you know, hey, is your company currently collecting this data? And so you've pointed out, hey, 
go to HR, maybe a sustainability group, look at for where this, you know, where this is happening. And obviously we're here to mostly talk about how it pertains to travel and expense. And so one of the things, you know, I was asking is, well, have you, have you been involved in the process? And if you have, you know, are you leveraging information to, to affect process or policy? And so kind of looking at that next step, those people that have started to have a conversation and maybe got past the uh, phase of being overwhelmed, I'm curious, like, what are you seeing kind of through the, the transition of those three phases, right? So are you collecting data? If you are, are you involved in the process? And then once you have that information, are they leveraging it to affect process and policy? So I'd be curious to hear kind of that middle state of, of uh, experience at this point. Yeah, um, well, unfortunately, some clients have started the process by not by choice, right? So we've had the great resignation. We've had folks now that travel is starting to open, be asked to travel and then push back. And so some clients haven't been given the choice to deal with it. They're being forced to deal with it, right? So that's a different tactic on, oh my gosh, how do we keep up? Yeah. We're tired of losing people. You know, are you collecting data? The data they're more than likely collecting before they were forced to deal with this is those are more those operational indicators you're talking about. But unfortunately, those are just lagging indicators of the program. They're nothing giving you foresight into what employees want or need. You know, if you are, how are you making it meaningful? You know, they, they always start with, we're, we're losing people. We don't know what the priority is, you know, and, and even to the point where I know even within EY, we have found a disconnect between what employers think is important for the employee and employees saying what's important to them, right? And so there's this disconnect. And so how do you close that gap is where we try to help them focus. So you are collecting the data. You thought it was X or, you know, not to go back to operational, but you thought it was X and now it's actually Y. How yeah. do you close that gap? You know, and is it a project? Is it, you know, a simple communication? Is it a policy change? There's going to be all kinds of different answers to closing those gaps, right? And what we've told them, you know, looking ahead and, you know, it's, it's going to be iterative. If you change your policy, don't think your policy is going to sustain for probably more than a year. At this point, you're going to have to keep looking at it. Again, where does it cross over with the HR group in terms of a rewards total, like a T comp or your know, total compensation package? Is travel involved in that now with remote work? You know, do you start rewarding individuals for being on the T and E side more sustainably focused? You know, there, there's so much to come out of this, but ultimately it is a on that third phase of making it, you know, dealing with that iterative process, it's a project team. And maybe it's not even a project team, it's now a program team because now your program is not just a simple project, right? Yeah, it has, it has to be operationalized. So I wanna yeah. touch on something that you mentioned there because I, I remember when we were prepping, we both were, were kind of saying the same thing about, you know, the exit interview being like the worst point to collect data if you really, you know, if you're trying to make a change, it's, it's already way too late. And so, you know, we, we talk about the laggards and we're, we're talking about, you know, people being drug into this. They're being kind of forced to address employee sentiment, whether they wanted to or not. And to me, it's almost, you know, you mentioned the great resignation. I, I also, not to take too much of an optimistic perspective on it, but it almost feels like the great reset, right? Where we have to reset our expectations. And I feel like the sentiment, the sentiment collection and, and you know, basically leveraging it has to be operationalized that way. And so what I'm, what I'm curious about is, you know, have you seen 
you know, what are some good questions you've seen, right? Or what are some good results that you've seen from this? Like, you know, we've been pulled into it. We know we're forced to ask these questions and we have to go through this. Like, what are some success stories or some successful questions or starting points that you've seen for clients that, hey, we're finally into it. Uh, we're, we're going to be leveraging it. You know, now what are we asking and, and what changes are we seeing? It's not uh, incredibly complicated. I mean, they're very basic questions, right? But I think the ones most people are asking is, you know, in the exit interview, what is the reason you're leaving? Obviously, that's very basic. But if you were to, to pull the, to your point, the exit interview is too late, pull it up. What is What are the reasons you would leave, right? Um, do you want, and they get very specific, right? Don't necessarily lead the employee to what you want to hear, but obviously work flexibility. Do you want remote work? Is travel still important to you and necessary to do your job? You know, then you ask sustainability, but I mean, it's really hard to nail down what are the five key questions because I think you'll get from the employees, even if you ask, what are your priorities in your job or what, from a teeny perspective, do you still think you need to travel? I think it'll be organic. So again, it's not a one-time survey. It's a constant. So somebody might feel like travel is important to them in their day-to-day job. And they go back to travel and they realize, actually, you know, I can actually do this with not 10 trips a year, but three trips a year. Like I I realize now I'm actually a stronger worker from remote than I thought I was. I wanted to take a trip and now I didn't miss it as much as I thought I missed it potentially. Right. And, and I could still do my job very effectively. So, you know, they go back on their next trip and you get more feedback and they're going to, they're going to adjust sometimes their opinion. So are the questions stagnant? No. Are are the answers stagnant? No. It's just going to be this constant, you know, ask and answer kind of communication, not just this one-time survey. We really try to get our clients out of the don't survey twice a year. That's highly ineffective. It's not going to help you, right? And it's hopefully you have something from an infrastructure perspective available to get that immediate feedback. After every trip, did you send a survey? Do you send, do you have a, a social media site that you're gathering in? What, whatever it is, right? Employees, and I'll say even within EY, the way we slice data too is, you know, you have Gen Z's, millennials, it's by age, right? And each one of those needs a different survey tactic, potentially. So, so actually, let's, let's dive into this a little bit, because when I've had conversations with people about this, a lot of times we, we talk about you know, the burden, right? The survey fatigue, survey fatigue, or, or the burden of, of response. And an example that's interesting to me is, you know, if you look at kind of industry expectations for, you know, broad survey feedback, I mean, it's like less than 10% yeah. response rate, but, you know, we do an unfiltered survey internally, right? Where we're getting our feedback on the organization, on our leadership structure. And, and I think they do an outstanding job with the cor- corporate communication strategy to, to push our engagement, right? And I want to say we hit like 98% or greater response rate. And that's because it's prioritized and it comes all the way down through your leadership structure of like, hey, we have outstanding people. Let's get this done. Let's get this done. And so when what you're talking about with this basically just-in-time surveying and this just-in-time feedback collection, um, I'm curious, you know, how are we managing that? burden of response or survey fatigue on, on uh, the travelers or the employees. I'm just curious, like some, maybe some guidelines that, that you could give or some experience that you could share about, about how we can have that conversation with an organization in a way 
uh, that alleviates the concerns of, of it kind of exhausting their employees with that. I do feel there's definite fatigue, right? I mean, there's always surveys going around and I think the fatigue will not play a factor if the employees see, if you're actioning what they're giving you, right? In terms of feedback. If all you're gonna do is survey, gather and report out, there's no sense. And that's where people feel the fatigue is you're gonna ask me and nothing's gonna come about, right? There's no results. There's no, uh, you know, you didn't take any action on our, on our information, right? And I think if you show the employees that you are taking these steps and you tie back to a change in policy or a change in the rewards policy or a change in the T&E, I don't think people necessarily have that fatigue if they see you care enough to take action. So that's a, something we promote, right? And now, do you survey after every trip? I think that's extensive. Maybe you do that for a short period of time. Maybe you do that with your sales folks, maybe, or road warriors. Again, the tactics have to be very specific to whether it's age, role, industry, gender, name it, right? It, it could be very different tactics because they're all going to be, in my opinion, obviously Gen Z millennials, social media, just give them that outlet. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to talk through it where maybe your baby boomers, Gen X are a traditional type of survey, or, you know, again, the mechanism is different, but I think employees and what we're hearing out of the employees is you, you ask, that's great. You're showing me you care, but now I want to see the outcome. I want to see change. If you're not going to change, then I'm going to leave. And that's very, you know, back to the great resignation. That is the line they are drawing. If I don't see change, if I don't see what I like in terms of what I think are my priorities, I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> so you companies have to come in with the mindset of they are going to put action. They're going to make a plan. They're going to have a roadmap and show the employees that, that they not just are enough to care to ask, but enough to care to do. No, I was just going to say, it's kind of the um, people are tired of hearing the, the feedback of we hear you right? Yeah. It's, it's not enough. We heard you and we made this change. I, I totally agree with that. I, I think that's great feedback for anybody that's thinking about, you know, going down this road. It, it's like anything. It's the commitment has to be there all the way through. Like if you were just collecting data to pile it up and report on it, you, you just as well save your money and your time because it's, it's not going to have the effect that you want. It will, right. interestingly enough, to, to the point of the burden and fatigue, it will most likely decrease employee satisfaction because they will they will become disenfranchised with uh, kind of your lack of sincerity, right? In, in, right. In the effort. So we've heard sustainability, great resignation a couple of times. And, you know, as I was becoming indoctrinated in experience management, one of the key things that was pushed was the idea of the research goal. And I that's what I view, right? When I hear, you know, sustainability, it's like, hey, how do we improve our, our footprint? When we talk about the great, great resignation, if we were trying to solve that, our research goal would be to solve the retention problem, right? That's, that's what we're getting to. So our, we're trying to figure out why are employees leaving. With sustainability, we're trying to figure out how do we have a greener footprint. And I'm just wondering, like, what other, like, common goals are you seeing behind these sentiment efforts, right, or these experience Sure, sure. Efforts? Thank you for that. Um, so, actually, the why, uh, you know, the great resignation, why are employees leaving, really ties back to an overlying theme of, you know, what we're actually hearing from the, the industry is total compensation, flexibility is a huge word, work hours, time off, 
travel, the flexibility of travel. Flexibility is a huge word today, you know, and as it crosses over into HR, I've never seen, I mean, my background, I'm a large tech company, T&E and HR were crossed, pollinated, if you will. I've never seen it more pollinated now than ever before where the policy, the T&E policy has HR elements, but HR is dealing with, you know, to your point on the, on the retention and then going a little bit off track here, but the retention piece and everyone's saying we want flexibility, we want flexibility, flexibility. Now, what do you mean? What does that mean in terms of travel? What does that mean in terms of work hours? What does that mean in terms of technology, right? And in terms of what you offer employees from a technology standpoint. So that's a big buzzword that we've been hearing, but it bleeds into so many things, right? The other thing we're hearing is well-being, which back to flexibility, if you give folks flexibility in terms of their benefits, what they want, their well-being and mental health will will obviously be better taken care of, total compensation, et cetera. So they kind of all bleed together for me, right? Because some people believe sustainability is their priority when it comes to travel, where others believe, no, I want to take personal travel while I actually have a business trip and I want the flexibility to do that. So there's a lot of things that, you know, from a policy perspective, I would say people are trying to, again, get their head around because it means so much. But how do you deal with that in terms of a policy? And how do you deal with that in terms of, you know, the, the how behind a trip? How are you yeah. going to give them all these this flexibility when you traditionally lock them into potentially a mandated environment of lowest usable, all those operational indicators, you lock them into those, all those things. Well, now you need to tear all that down and start over potentially. But I don't know if I answered that uh, the way you intended. But yeah, there's there's no one real message. It's the general theme in my mind is flexibility uh, for folks. Yeah, I think that's that, that's interesting though, because you know, when you say you're talking about all these different points of flexibility, it, it like brought a few things to mind in terms of that specifically that scheduling, you know, personal travel is it goes back to your original point, right? Is that this is an iterative process that is, it needs to be operationalized yeah. basically now, I think further highlights the importance of starting sooner than later, right? Like don't be the company that's starting um, to truly integrate experience management five years from now. Right. I, I don't think, in my opinion, you will just be able to catch up, right? It's not going to be, hey, we, we started this XM project, you know, five years from now, what I would consider a serious laggard in this space starts this up and is like, okay, we're in trouble now. We got to catch up. You're not going to catch up in a year because of all those little pieces that you said, right? Like you need all of these little different points in the process to capture at the moment, right? People don't want to go back and remember what they did two years ago or try to accurately define how they felt two years ago about a process that was already five years old or a policy that was already five years out of date, right? You need to be getting that now and building up, you know, building up that understanding. So I think that is so interesting to hear. And I hope that more organizations will, will do this, right? Cause I remember, you know, six years ago, putting a spreadsheet out on SharePoint, emailing a distribution list of people, asking them to go in and flag their responses so I could process it as we were going through some re-engineering work at, at a former employer. And it, it worked, right? But it was such a pain and it was so backwards from what is really available and possible that I, I hope you know, more organizations can, can kind of get out of this uh, concerned phase and, and just get into adoption, right? And, and start moving forward. I, I think it's going to, it's going to be better for everybody, you know, employees, employers. I, I think it's, it's going to make the relationship a lot more harmonious. So 
Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think that's a great point. There is absolutely no catching up. And if you don't think that the generations coming in aren't, you know, when it's funny, when you apply for a job, you get told, oh, they're looking at your social media page. They're looking at your, you know, your resume and, and your background and all that. But there's so many means now to get data on, you know, employees applying for a position. Well, if you don't think that's not happening in reverse with this, the upcoming generations looking and even my generation, to be honest, now there's so many, so much data that says, well, what is it, this company, what is its message? What is its policy? What is it? They're researching. Now there's so much competition in terms of they're really now not just comparing compensation, you know, your pay, your base pay or your bonus. It's now all of it. And it's all available out there. And even social media sites where your company might be getting a bit of good news or bad news in social media, people are considering that. So forget the resignation. Can you even hire at this point? Because people don't want to work for you before they even start, right? So yeah, reputation. Um, yeah. yeah, reputation and in in the effect of the access to all the data around it and the sheer conversation that, you know, people have about a company and their and where they're headed, what are their goals, what are their their key, you know, success factors or vision, mission, all of those wonderful things. Um, people are really considering those. So if you want to wait until folks leave and then you want to ask why, you won't be able to backfill those positions once they leave because you haven't done anything to change, you know, change. And and so yeah. Back to the original thought of don't just survey to survey. You have to have your mindset of we're going to do something different. We need to do something different, not just so we don't get people to leave, but so we can hire effectively. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, there was a stat I remember hearing years back and I, I would, it's probably changed, but, you know, they had surveyed a group of people and, and basically 80% of people said that the current role they were in was at a, at least partially because they knew somebody at the organization and the interpretation there was that if you didn't know somebody, you weren't going to be able to get a job. And I think that's probably how I viewed it at the time. But it's interesting now as, we've, as we talk about the sentiment stuff and as, as I've had definitely the mind shift towards seeing, you know, operational and experience data is that I, I, I would like to go back and ask those people if it had just as much to do with the confidence that the reference gave them in coming to work there. Yeah. Like, hey, this is a great place to work, right? So it's like, they, they were willing to take the job because they had confidence the organization wasn't in disarray. And to, to your point, right, is uh, the onboarding, the reputation, it's, and, and I, like I said, I'm sure that that number has shifted now, especially with kind of the broader opportunity for remote work. But I, I really do feel like there was a big portion of that that probably had to do with getting at least a personal feel for the reputation and the experience they, they could expect, you know, from, from the company. So. Right. So I think maybe we can use this as our, our last topic here. I wanted to ask, is there a situation, you know, where somebody is just knocking it out of the park, right? Like you've been involved with an organization that is at the leading edge of experience management and they've, they've seen, you know, measurable improvement. Like, you know, how long have they been on that journey? What has that process looked like? You know, just, just curious if, if we have anything like that to maybe, you know, kind of dangle the carrot at, you know, for everybody to, to chase there of like, Hey, this is, this is the, this is the goal. Yeah. Well, obviously not, I, I can't name names, but there's definitely those that are setting the benchmark is the benchmark set. No. Um, because the world is still changing very quickly, very rapidly, you know, et cetera. But there are definitely those in the strongest 
characteristic, if I would say, of the folks that I think that are knocking it out of the park are those that are committed to both resourcing, you know, gathering the data, you know, making the data actionable and having project teams to, to do so, reviewing their policy on a regular basis, adjusting their policy on a, on a regular basis. So you can see the results of their work very quickly, right? It's not going to take two years to change the policy. They are committed, the leadership, to your point earlier, the leadership is bought in. It's necessary um, to keep the culture alive and and you know, getting the highest quality uh, employees you can that are committed, right? We everyone thinks that the, again the generations that are coming up are job uh, hoppers, but those companies are saying we're not okay with that. We're going to put things in place so they don't want a job hop, and it's just that commitment from the very top down. It's articulated. It's in their mission. It's in their vision. They're investing in technology. You know. It's just like any project, to be honest, right? As long as there's a leadership that's committed, messaged, and invested, whether that's your resourcing, funds, change, et cetera, that's the benchmark and that they're striving to be. They're, it's hard to commit to changing a policy or updating your policy on this you know, accelerated pace and this iterative pace, but they're bought into the thought and they've seen the results of their work. And so that even makes the commitment even stronger. So I think they have that in their culture to begin with, to be quite honest of those that I'm thinking in my mind. Um, I haven't seen somebody make a 180 in this space. They're still, they still want to hang on to those operational indicators to, to make the change and to drive the right behaviors. You can still focus on that. Obviously they're still necessary, but I, I think you know, there's definitely got to be that culture shift if you don't have that in your mindset already. But those that are already ahead of that and had it in their culture are the ones that I see are making those changes and they're much more effective and they would be happy to tell you probably, you know, in a, you know, how did the project go, you know, and they can pinpoint, you know, our retention went from this to that, our hiring went from this to that, we are aligned with all departments cross-functionally, and this is how what our vision is, our mission is, and it aligns with the corporate objectives, you know, and then show you the results probably of their employees' surveys and what's important to them. No, I think that's good and, and completely unsurprising, right? The, the yeah. organizations that the winners keep winning, right? I mean, they, they have operationalized, they have executive stakeholder buy-in, and they, you know when they commit, they, they, they make it happen. And, and I think that's what it's going to take for organizations that are thinking about doing this. Like this isn't just, you know, oh, send out a handful of surveys and you know, that'll make you feel better about what you're doing. Like this right. is meaningful, iterative change, which I think, you know, if we're kind of wrap up our, our key takeaways, that was what stood out to me the most from this is, you know, that iterative requirement, right? You have to stick with this. The, the twice a year isn't enough, right? It's, it's those data points are too far apart. The world changes too fast. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, that's something that personally, like I definitely struggled with early on getting indoctrinated into experience management was, you know, the idea of survey fatigue. I, I will not reference any um, establishments, but there are more than enough places that, oh, how was your, how was your visit today? Or, you know, how was your flight? And I'm like, well, I could have used, you know, four more inches of leg room or but they're not, <laughs> you're not going to do anything about that. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I think, um, 
hearing that like as an organization, like that's where the opportunity is, is, is getting that, that frequency of feedback and finding ways to, to deploy that so that your employees know that, you know, you're, you're not just hearing them, right? Like you're, you're, you're really taking action and, and making it happen. Um, I think the other thing, you know, that maybe stood out to me as a takeaway was the importance of starting now, right? Like you always hear, when's the best time to start right now? When's the next best time right now? And, and I think that's, that's absolutely it. Any, anybody that's lagging on this, I think they're going to pay exponentially. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be like some of the other adoption areas where, you know, you've been able to get by with Excel, right? You can kind of patch things together and, and make things work and you're, you're not exponentially behind. I think on, exper on this experience management, I, I think if you're, if you're behind, you're, you're way further behind than you know. And then, you know, I think just lastly, what you said, that, that commitment to the program, to, to the buy-in from, from leadership and really, you know, putting the program in place and finding ways to, to make it in, in integrated into the culture of the organization. I, I think those, those three takeaways really stood out to me. I don't, was there anything that you would add to that? No, I think that's, that's all great. And, and I'm, I don't mean to end on a, in my, in my thoughts on a, a corny hashtag, but um, my kids and I, and I think I got it actually from one of their sports teams. It's hashtag day one or hashtag one day. Um, you make the choice, right? Is it going to be today or is it going to be one day out in the future? I think day one is approached. Right? We got to start now if you haven't already. And you probably have access to some data already. You just may not know it. And just again, go talk to your HR, go talk to other groups. Yeah, there's no better time to start than uh, today. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's a, that's a great place to end. So again, this was the SAP Concur Conversations podcast series. Uh, I, I'm Andrew Walker and this was Crystal. Thanks, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you.